Sienna Marabella, and you're listening to the Honey Soleil podcast, bringing you all things wellness for your mind, body, and soul. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to the podcast. It has been so long, and I have said this a lot in all of my previous episodes, pretty much, because it's been since June. It is now almost the end of August. I know that is super embarrassing. Um, I don't intend to be very absent on this podcast. This is supposed to be every Tuesday, but I was going through a lot of personal difficulty and I finally feel like I'm myself again and I am on track to get my stuff consistent because it is important for me to stay consistent on YouTube, to stay consistent on my podcast, on Instagram, everywhere. And that is what I'm really trying to do. So this is my first episode back since June. Oh, that's just so hard to say. So I'm a little bit rusty at this, but today's episode is the long awaited finance episode. So this episode is all about financial wellness, finance basics, budgeting, establishing credit, everything you kind of need to know about the basic level of finance as a young adult. So pretty much when you're moving out of your parents' house, like when you're really just getting started with finance, or you could just take some of these tips if they're new to you, if they're old to you whatever, get what you need from this episode. But I wanted to do a finance episode because on this podcast, we focus on all things wellness, living your best life, and finance is included in that. So I figured it would be a good time to share with you pretty much my entire knowledge of the basics of finance to help you guys for when you're moving out of your parents' house. Maybe you're almost moving out of your parents' house. You're a young adult. You're new to finance. You don't really know where to start. This is the episode for you guys. So I will not ramble. Let's just get into the episode all about financial wellness. The first thing that you might be thinking is where do I start with finance? What do I have to do to start my finances and budgeting and all of that stuff? And I really believe that there's four key areas of finances and those are budgeting slash money management. So how to manage your money, how to budget, pretty self-explanatory, saving your credit score and investing. And I do believe that those go in that order of what you need to learn about and how the flow goes with working with your finances and money. And in this episode, I'm going to be answering your questions pertaining to all of these, and hopefully you'll get a better grasp for where to start and how to manage your finances as a young adult, because that is so important. So let's start out with budgeting and money management. A question that I get a lot is, what should I take into account when budgeting? So you're going to need to assess your needs, your wants, and your debt repayment slash savings. I feel like those are going to go hand in hand. You're going to need to take into account what you spend money on every month that's non-negotiable. So this is going to be your needs, which includes your monthly rent or mortgage, utility bills, groceries, car payment, insurance. There's just a lot to take into account here. So make sure you write it all down and have a general overview of what you need to pay out monthly. And this is stuff that is dire to you living. So this is how you stay alive in this capitalist society. All the things that you need to pay for that keep a roof over your head and keep you alive. That's your needs category. And they say about 50% of your monthly gross income is to go to your needs and 30% to your wants and the remaining 20% to go into debt repayment and your savings, aka your liquid funds. So your savings becomes your emergency funds and then eventually your investment money. But again, I will get into that later. 
Now, you don't need to follow a specific budget plan if it doesn't work for you, but these budget plans are a way to give you a sense of guidelines when you're completely lost and you have nowhere to begin and you're just overwhelmed. So if one month you need to focus more on repaying your debt instead of your want spending, then you need to focus on that. And budgeting and money management is always personal. Let's go back to your monthly debt repayment and savings. So that is given a percentage of 20% of your monthly income. And essentially that's just taking extra money from your checks each month and allocating it to paying off your credit card bills, loan repayments if you're a college student and you've taken out student loans, and then also adding to your savings. I don't necessarily follow this rule because whatever is left over after I pay out all of my needs and those non-negotiables, I usually just put all of it towards this area of my finances. So I focus less on the wants uh, category of my finances and I put it more towards debt repayment and savings. And since I'm self-employed and my paycheck each month is always different, it's good to recognize your high and low months. So for instance, during this quarantine, my income has not been at the all-time high. Obviously in the beginning, it was not the best for everyone. It was a hard time. So that means I'm cutting way down on the want section of my budget and I'm putting as much as I can towards savings and credit card payments because my savings is super important. That's for emergency funds. That's if I need to pull something. If my car breaks down, if you're going to want to have something in the savings and even just putting $5 from your paycheck in your savings account every month is a good start because you're essentially getting into the habit of putting things in your savings. And even if you have to focus all your money and your income on debt repayment, put a dollar in your savings. It's essentially just reminding yourself, okay, every month or every paycheck, I'm going to just put something in my savings. That way you get into the habit of, oh wait, I can't forget my savings. It's a habit. I do it every time I get a check, I put a little bit in the savings. And I know that sometimes financial hardship can make that impossible. That's why $5 is a great start for that. And then once you get bigger checks that allow you to put less towards debt repayment, less towards your wants, you could put more in the savings. It's all about finding what works for you. It's all about assessing your current financial priorities. So if you have a financial goal to buy a house or anything of that sort, you're going to have to discipline yourself to allocate less money to that want section of your budget and put more in the savings account. And then the last section of your monthly budget goes 30% to your wants. So like I said, the percentage can always change depending on what your current financial situation is. But keep in mind that you should always be making adding to your savings account and paying off your debt a bigger priority than spending on unnecessary things. But if you do have the extra funds for this section, then this is the part of your budget that includes your monthly entertainment spending, aka movies, going out to the bars and clubs, your monthly subscriptions, which could be Netflix, Hulu, uh, your Xbox Live membership, those kind of things. And this can also include clothing, shopping, any hobbies and travel. Again, this is not the most important section when you really have to be disciplined about your finances, but if you have the extra funds to put towards this category, do it because life is about memories and being happy. And if doing your hobbies and travel makes you happy, make it a priority in your budget and maybe have a separate savings account just for hobbies and traveling. If you have extra money for your wants, do it because life is about your happiness because the world does revolve around you. It's your life. So it revolves around you. So if you want to make 
maybe going to a tennis instructor weekly a priority, put a separate savings account together so that you can do this with ease. Now that you've totaled up what you have to take into account when making your budget, it's time to get a spreadsheet going. I love this. This is the easiest way to make a cohesive budget plan, in my opinion. And there's countless budget spreadsheet templates for you to use online. You can just Google it and you will find a shit ton of them. And once you export them into Google Sheets or Excel, you can then customize them to fit the categories of your budget. Now, you can't see my spreadsheet right now, which is what sucks about podcasts, but I will take you through how it's set up. So at the top of my spreadsheet, I put in my average monthly income, which again could be completely different per month. So the average is really just a ballpark figure because again, it's not going to be the same every month if you're self-employed. But then under that, I have different sections beneath it. So the first section is housing. So I have rent, power, gas, Wi-Fi, my phone bill, and renter's insurance. These are the things that relate to housing. Then beneath that, I have the food section, and this includes groceries and food out. Again, I'm not categorizing this by needs, wants, and savings. It's kind of in different sections pertaining to what part of my life it fits in, and I just know already what is a need, what is a want. You can pretty much tell that groceries are a need and food out is a want. So if you really want to start from the beginning and you don't want to do it like this, I would highly recommend putting a category just for needs, a category for want, and a category for savings. And then within that, you could break it down. But I like to do it this way. Again, it is all personal preference. So next down for me is personal care. And that includes my lash extensions, manicures, and my health insurance. I know that is a weird mix. Yeah, I have this weird setup with no real section for my needs, wants, and debt repayment. But like I said, it's because I know where each item goes to me. Like lash extensions, kind of a need for me. Manicures, not a need. Health insurance, definitely a need. So once you get the hang of budgeting, this all just becomes so much easier for you. And again, you can look up lots of videos on spreadsheets because Google will be your best friend when finding budgeting spreadsheets and all of that stuff. After the personal care section, we have the transportation section. And this includes how much I spend on gas per month, my toll roads account monthly fee because I do have to take toll roads to get to my mom's house. It's a whole thing. And then my car insurance. And I don't have a car payment because I have paid off my car. So that would normally be in your in this section, but I don't have one right now. But car insurance is enough for a car payment, pretty much. Um, and then a want in that section is going to be my Uber and Lyft fees. They're not necessary at all, but I put them in there because they're a want. They're something that I do on occasion, so it's there. Below that, we have my subscription section. This one is lengthy and it's so sad, but it is all want items. These are always all want items is, is your subscriptions. So we've got my streaming subscriptions, photo editing app subscriptions, Headspace app subscription. We have my gaming subscription, which is my Nintendo Live live, my Xbox live. There's a lot of stuff here. And it's basically the stuff that is annually and monthly paid. And these are all entertainment. They all go in the want section. So that's kind of how my budget looks. Again, I could do a video on YouTube really showing you this because I know saying it and telling it to you is not as good as showing you. So if you want me to do a video showing the spreadsheet part of this and the budget, 
let me know. The next question that we're going to dive into is how to track the things you spend money on. Now, something I did to assess how much I need to be budgeting and bringing in each month was look at my credit card records or receipts. And I use a credit card because it establishes credit. It's just good for me. I'd rather use a credit card than an ATM card whole thing. I could talk about that. But but anyway, by looking at my credit card records, I can analyze what I spent the previous month and everything I spent money on on the previous month. So then I put it all into a spreadsheet and I calculated what I spent that month in each of those categories that I said to you. So if you do this monthly, you'll start to see where you spend your money and you can see what you need to cut down on. So for instance, I did this for a few months and I noticed that I was spending far too much money on Ubers and food out. So I made a note in that spreadsheet to cut down on those two areas. And it really helps to visualize what you're spending too much on and where you can actually cut down. This is really handy to keep track of all your subscriptions. So if you can see, okay, I can get rid of this subscription for the month, um, you can cut down on it. It's very visual and it's easy to figure out where your money is going. I definitely didn't need to be eating out so much when I was already spending a big part of my budget on groceries. So you have to find out what means more to you. Do you want a bigger budget for groceries because you want more home-cooked meals and to prioritize your health? Or do you want to budget in less for groceries and more for food out to sustain your meals each day because it's easier for you, it's what you prefer? Because again, it all boils down to what works better for you. You have to be realistic with what's going to work for you. The next question we have here is thoughts on quality versus quantity when it comes to buying cheaper items than investing on quality items. So when it comes to quality versus quantity, I'm always going to advocate quality most of the time. So spend more money on the items that you know you'll be utilizing for the long term. And some things you don't need to spend much money on. It depends on the item. And I think you could be a good judge of seeing where you need to invest and where you can cut corners. And again, it does boil down to priorities. So I'll just give you some examples for myself because that's pretty much what I'm going off here. So for me, my bed is my sanctuary. So investing in quality bedding was a priority for me. And also I like to cook and I usually make more meals at home. So I chose to invest in good cookware. If you don't care about cooking, if it's not a priority to you, you eat out more often, there's no need to waste money on good cookware because it's not getting use for your lifestyle. So whatever you do most and what is really important to you is a priority and that's where you should be investing. A lot of things in this world can be found at cheaper prices and really don't need to be invested in. I would just do some basic Googling to see what you can find at a much cheaper price and where because there's tons of things that you can be cutting corners on that don't need to be spent so much money on. Not everything in your life needs to be an investment. And there's tons of articles online about what you should splurge on and what you should save on. But at the end of the day, you got to splurge on what you utilize frequently and then save on the things that you use occasionally and don't hold as much of a weight in your daily life. Like for me, when it comes to clothes, I do not splurge on clothes unless it's jeans. Because to me, I wear jeans every single day and they go and live through with me for years. But dresses, I don't necessarily splurge on because for me, they're pretty seasonal. And if I've worn them a good amount in the summer, chances are I'm not going to wear them again next summer. So something that I splurge on would be good jeans because it's a staple in my wardrobe and something that I can save on is dresses. The next question we have here is how to stop impulse spending. So one of the tricks that I actually started doing when I found myself wanting to purchase something out of impulse was give myself a waiting period. So 
I would tell myself, okay, if you can't stop thinking about this one item and you really feel that it will benefit your life, go ahead and purchase it. But I usually give myself 30 days to wait it out depending on the item in question. Let me tell you guys, this works so well for me because I'm a very impulsive person. It's just who I am and I always think that I need something new. And there's so many things I've died to have because it seemed like a good idea in the moment, but then I just waited a little bit instead of pulling the trigger right away and the impulse went away. It works for me. So I had been dying to get myself a new iPad because of all those videos on YouTube with like taking notes on your iPad and all that stuff. And I already had an iPad that I bought only a year prior. And then I never used it. Like I would never use my iPad, maybe six times a year that I've owned it. And I asked myself, why do I want this item? Will this bring me a benefit and usage daily? And the answers were no, because I would kill myself if I took notes on my iPod. I like taking hand notes. I like taking notes on my computer. It's not realistic. It was just kind of an in-the-moment want. And I only wanted the iPad for a few unimportant reasons. So I waited a month, and I was so glad that I didn't pull the trigger and purchased it because... I would have been out like a thousand dollars. I don't know how much iPads are, but like that's a lot of money to spend on an impulse. So by waiting, it gave me time to really think like, hey, okay. Like how they say sleep on it. If you sleep on it and think, okay, you know what? I was just being like really impulsive. Maybe I don't want this. I like to give myself a waiting period because I'm very impulsive. And if you know this about yourself, just wait it out. Give it a few days even. Do not do things on impulse. Like it will it'll wreck you because then you get buyer's remorse um, and it sucks. (laughs) So that's my whole shtick on impulse spending and waiting and how to stop the impulse purchases. Now let's go into the savings category. So the first question is what percent of my paycheck should go into savings? I think that this is very subjective. And like I said before, so many times it's about your priorities, but your savings should always be a main priority next to your um, your needs and things that you need to do. Again, debt repayment though is very important. And I think you should really work as hard as you can to becoming debt-free. And your savings is your emergency fund. It's your liquid savings. It's for if you want to buy a house. It is something that you need to have to fall back on, something to help you in an emergency, like an emergency fund, or to eventually invest. But you shouldn't be investing or worrying as much about your savings until you get out of debt, because debt is it, 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 um, it multiplies sweetheart. Like they charge some fat interest on things. So with your student loans, your credit card repayment, you want to make sure you're paying off credit cards as you're using them. Because if you get into the habit of spending more than you make each month, your credit card debt is going to become, it's going to skyrocket. You should be working as much as you can to paying off credit card bills, paying off your loans before you do it in savings. But I do think that no matter what, no matter how much you have each month, if you don't have enough to pay for anything, put $5 in the savings. Like I said, it's just about the habit of thinking about your savings account every time you get a check. So it's not about how much money you're putting in there. If you have a really good month and you've paid off as much as you should to your debt repayment, you've paid off all your bills for the month, and you have a good amount of money left over, put most of it in the savings account. I think they say that you should be putting 20% or 10% into your savings each month. But for me, I don't really... I don't really sit well with percents. They don't work for me. I just put what I have that's extra 
into the savings. It's all about just starting that habit of putting money in there because all your life, if you just save a little bit, it's going to be, it's going to come in handy. Like it's going to be good for emergency funds. It's going to be, it's going to allow you to buy a house eventually. It's going to allow you to travel. It's, it's just going to allow a lot for you. And then the more you have in your savings, the more likely you are to be able to invest it. And we'll talk about investment in a little bit. I don't have too much to say on it, but you do want to invest if you can. But yes, you could put 10% of your paycheck, 20%, but really just put what is feasible for you. And then the next one is how to find balance in saving for the future, but also living in the moment. I said before that the want category of your life is not the main priority, but you should definitely be thinking about it every month. So if you are privileged enough to make pretty good amount more than what you have to pay in bills every month, you should put some of it in your savings, but you don't have to put all of it. You have to also think about the now because the savings is for the future, but again, happiness is in the present moment. So if something that's really important to you, like traveling or doing an activity, like maybe uh, jujitsu, maybe you want to do jujitsu every week, that is a priority to you. So to live in the moment, you need to allocate money every month to that. That is a high priority want for you. And it's about being, being happy. Now, something that is a want that's not really about living in the moment is materialistic items. So instead of maybe spending all of your want money on clothes or, or that's all I can think of clothes or clothes or clothes. I don't even know other materialistic items, but instead of doing that, something that gives you like instant gratification, think about putting it towards a weekly hobby that you want to partake in, because that's how you can live in the moment and fulfill your life. You'll have more to be happy about because happiness is again, it is inside. It is in your mindset. It's not on objects. It's on how you feel. So how you feel when you're doing jujitsu is far more important to your well-being than how you feel for five minutes when you get a new piece of clothing. And that's not to say don't buy clothes. Like it's fun to buy things like that, but I'm saying put the priority in experiences and things that truly bring you happiness. If putting together outfits and like taking Instagram photos is really what truly brings you joy, not just for the exterior validation, but if it actually makes you happy to put together outfits, then clothes will be a priority for you. Again, everything is subjective. It's what makes you happy in the moment and keeps your life fulfilled. But again, savings is important, but also don't just think about the savings. It's like having tunnel vision. Don't have tunnel vision towards one thing, make sure you're filling up all your buckets, filling up all the spaces and balancing your money because that's what's going to really keep your life balanced pretty much. Balance is balance is balance. I don't know. I don't even, I'm losing my mind now. So let's move on to our credit score. Here we go. So now let's talk about your credit score. Not a lot of people when they're young really know about their credit score. And essentially your credit score is, it tells places that you want to take loans from or get a credit card from or get a car from or just getting an apartment, a lot of things. Your credit score is to show people that you can pay back 
what you take money out on. So it's showing that you're trustworthy. Now it's showing that in numbers. It's not showing that in anything else. So there is your FICO credit score. And this is calculated from five different things. 35% of your FICO credit score is your payment history. So your car payment, things you've made payments on, and you've been able to do this on time and you haven't gotten late fees on it. So that's your payment history. 30% of your credit score is the amounts owed. So this is how much money you have owed on your credit card currently. So if you have a huge amount of credit card debt, again, that's going to affect your credit score. So that's why debt repayment is so important that you're paying off your credit cards as you're using them. You're leaving a little bit on there to show that you can make payments towards something in a manageable time and you don't have a lot spent on those credit cards, but you want to pay them off as soon as you can so that it shows that you don't have a lot owed. I know it's a whole, it's a whole scheme. I really don't, I don't love the capitalist society, but you know, it's cool. We live by it. We love it sort of. Okay. And then 15% is the length of your credit history. So when you're young, this is going to be terrible because you don't have a lot of credit history. You, this might be your first credit card. This might be your first car. You don't have a lot on your credit history. So to them, to banks, to whoever's looking at your credit score, they're thinking she's young, he's young. They don't have a lot of history with credit. So they're, they're risky. They're flighty. We don't know. 10% is your credit mix. So this is a mix of credit cards, car payments, loans. This is just what the mix is of all the things that you have credit in. That's all I can think of credit cards and loans, but pretty much that's that. Um, and the last 10% is of new credit. Now I wrote this in here and I honestly have zero clue what that means. I'm drawing an absolute blank, but you can look up the breakdown of your credit score and this will tell you what that is. But what is new credit? Oh my God, I don't even know. So let's not uh, listen to me on that. But the rest of that is what your credit score is. If you're under 18, there is no possible way for you to start gaining credit unless you have a parent or guardian let you get a credit card and then have them co-sign on it as the other holder. Um, I'm not sure if there's any other ways under 18, but that is the only known way that I know. And I'm pretty sure is the only way that you can get credit is by getting a credit card with a co-signer. So even if you're over 18, the best way for you to start establishing your credit is by getting a credit card and then paying it off as you use it. So don't use it if you don't have the money to pay it back fully every month, because if you let it pile up, that's how you accumulate the credit card debt. And ultimately that will really hurt your credit score. So you want to work on using your credit card so work on using your credit card for a few things every month, like your groceries, and then pay it off immediately. Because this just shows that you're capable of payments and you're building your credit score. That's the easiest way to get started on it and the least risky. Well, money is always risky, but you know what I'm saying here. Once you've established a bit of credit, this is when you can then apply for loans. So loans are a huge part of life since most of us can't pay things off fully in cash, like a house or a car, unless you're like the filthy rich. Um, each time that you apply for a loan, that's when your credit score will be checked. And I think that the first thing that you would reasonably get a loan for when you're a young adult is your car. So you've got a credit card, then you get your car, then you get your house, you know, it all follows a process. But when you're a young adult, I think the first thing that you get your first loan for is a car. Now let's talk about investments to grow your finances. This is the last area, the one I am the least versed on, but I do believe in investing. So once you have your savings, it's good. You've accumulated a good amount of money in your savings. And then it's time to start diversifying your money 
and investing it. Now, this is really hard to talk about because I know that a lot of you guys are my age. You might be college students and you don't have a lot of money to play with in investments. So investing in a house is might not be feasible for you right now. But again, investing in a house is one of your best bets because real estate, it's always going to be around. And if you have the money during a market crash, you're still going to have your house and it will always go up in value. It might go back and forth, but it will go up in value eventually. So houses, Fantastic, but I don't think that my my genre, I don't think my audience is caring about investing in houses. So something that you can do in investment that's low risk is you can find bonds and savings accounts that have a percentage that your money will grow for how long it's been in there. So something that you could invest in now that's not really an investment, but it is saving your money for later and letting it grow is an IRA, and that is your retirement fund. You do want to start thinking about that when you're in your 20s because we want to retire early, like have that money sitting in your IRA. It will just grow. It'll sit there. You can't touch it for until you're 65, I think, but it's good to start putting your money in there. Another place, like I said, is savings accounts that grow. So throwing your money in just a regular savings account, that's good. That's for liquid savings. That's for emergency funds. But if you want to tie up your money in savings accounts that have maybe a five-year no-touch rule, it's going to gain some money on top of it because it might have an increased percentage of 1%, 1 1.5, 2%. Again, it's not a lot, but if you want to keep your money safe and you want to keep it in savings accounts, I would recommend putting it in a savings account like that because it will minutely grow, but you can't touch it for five years. And that way it's a great way to have your money if you want to take your money out of your savings and that's something that you feel like you do often, if you put it in an account like that, you will get penalized for taking it out before the five years. So it's kind of a good way to hide your money. So you don't have to think about it. And then when you turn like 25, you're like, oh shit, I have a good savings going. So I mean, I don't have much to say on investments because I do have a financial advisor, my mother. She's amazing at finance and she tells me all this stuff, but I'm not really well-versed on investments. But if you want to dive deeper into investments, I could interview a financial advisor. I think that would be a great person to have on the podcast, and we can ask all kinds of questions about that. So if you're interested in that, please let me know on the podcast Instagram, on my personal Instagram, whatever, because that would be a really great episode, I think. Today, those were my tips and my basics on financial wellness for being a young adult when you're first moving out, the basics, the absolute basics of finance by me, yours truly. So I do hope you guys enjoyed this episode, got some value from it. If you did, be sure to go and rate the podcast on iTunes, give it a five stars, give it your review. It takes a little bit of time, but that's how we grow on here. I hope you guys did enjoy this episode and I'm so glad to be back on the podcast grind every Tuesday. So I will see you guys next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.